Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. We uh, are delighted to have some guests with us today. Uh, my mother is here. Uh, she's sitting down here with Tanya. Uh, she's here from Texas. I've known her for a long time. <laughs> Um, and she brought her friend with her. I forgot her friend's name. Charlene. Charlene. All right. Glad to have you all with us today. Uh, uh, yes, she uh, wanted to come to Florida. She has all of her great-grandchildren live here in Florida. And uh, uh, no, not all of them. That's right. There's some other, there's another branch of that family that lives somewhere else. Okay. All right. There are some more greats. Uh, but... Um, um, a lot of them, anyway, five of them live in, in this part of the country. And uh, two sons, uh, myself being one of them, and my other brother who is over in Brandon. And so she's able to come, thankful for that, uh, able to spend that time with her. Thank you again for the services last week and recognition of pastors and deacons. Uh, the cards were appreciated. And the, the thanks and the love that you've shown to us has, has been very well appreciated. And I... Uh, I do, um, uh, I know the short time that I've been here, uh, we, have, we, have built, we have built some relationships, and our relationships have gotten stronger, and I, I only see that even getting better as the years go by. Uh, that's the way it's supposed to be, uh, and that's the way I am planning for it. There's not a person in this church that I, uh, that I don't love. I love every one of you. I may not have opportunities to speak to you as often as I would like, uh, but, but, but please know that you're loved tremendously and you're important. Um, there's no person who's a part of the congregation, a part of the church that's not important. Uh, everyone is important. Uh, God put you here, and you're a part of the body of Christ, and... Uh, uh, and you're important to me, and you're important to the entire body of Christ. Amen. Uh, and I hope that that is expressed in your lives as you uh, mingle between one another, that you will always include everyone that you possibly can into your lives. And um, don't just make it a Sunday event. Uh, you know, you, you can talk during the week as well and, and kind of connect and, and do things together. Uh, that's what we're all about. This morning I'm going to be speaking on the subject of living in the will of God, and we're taking it from James chapter 4. We, we spoke a, a few weeks ago uh, from, from James chapter 4, talking about drawing near to God, and, and uh, we're going to continue that chapter in and, uh, and James, and, and, and uh, uh, look with me if you would. Uh, James chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse number 13. If you're physically able uh, for, to stand, I ask you to stand for the reading of the Word of God uh, this morning. In, in James 4, starting at verse number 13, it says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For ye that ought, for ye, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, 
we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings you have given us during this past week. And thank you for all that you do for us every single day of our lives. And dear Lord, I just pray as we uh, search the scriptures today, as we apply uh, the, this passage of scripture to our, our lives, that we will make you a part of our everyday decisions, the things that we do throughout our lives, that we will consult your will in those plans, and that we will make you a part of our life, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. Thank you for, uh, for saving our souls. Thank you for all that you do, for your love and for your mercy. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You may have heard the story a long time ago about the, a young man who was going to town to sell his motorcycle. Uh, he, he, he was going on his way. He saw the country, uh, the country preacher at church out in the yard, and he stopped by. And The preacher asked him, well, where are you going? He says, I'm going to town to sell this motorcycle. The preacher says, well, you ought to say, I'm going to town to sell this motorcycle if the Lord's will. The young man says, I'm, I'm going to sell this motorcycle if it's the Lord will or if it's not. Uh, well, about two hours later, the preacher looked up and he sees this man walking up. He's had, he has his hand, head bandaged up. He's, he's using a crutch. His clothes are half torn off of him. And he asked him, what in the world happened to you? He says, well, when I left here, I got about a half mile from the church and a downpour hit me. I went into a curb and lost control of my motorcycle, and I, I landed in a bunch of briars. The briars tore me up. I saw a farmhouse in the distance, and I walked up to it, and, and apparently my appearance scared the woman that was there, and she filled my backside with birdshot. <laughs> and here I am. Uh, the preacher asked, well, where are you heading now? He said, uh, home, if the Lord wills. <laughs> Um, you know, how many times do we make plans to give no thought to take uh, to thought to the Lord's will? We, we, we ha have you made decisions this week without giving any uh, consideration to the will of God? Uh, we, we, um, we classify atheists, I, uh, I classify atheists into two different groups, two different categories today. There's, first of all, the dogmatic atheist. In spite of the heavens declaring their glory, they say there is no God. In spite of the internal uh, force that God placed inside every human being, that there is a God and you need him, they still say there's no God. Uh, the dogmatic atheist says there is no God. But there's another category of atheists, it's, the practical atheist. Now, you know, they say, I believe in God. I know there is a God. I know this God. But they live their lives as though their God doesn't exist. There may be some here today that are practical atheists. You believe in the existence of God. You believe in the reality of God. But you live as though there is no God. James, in our text today, gives an example of the practical atheist. 
He goes here and there. He makes plans. He has goals. But he, is, he never considers God's will. Consider this man in our text. He, he has his sandals on his feet. He's ready to travel. His camels are loaded down with his wares. He has his woven blankets, his sandals, his clothes for men, clothes for women, cooking utensils, eating utensils, material to make tents. He has all this stuff together. And he's going to a city where there are people that are buying and selling. He's going to get his part of the pie. He, he is going to make his mark in business. He's going to stay about a year. And he's going to make big money. And then he's going to come home. This is the practical atheist. The practical atheist, the first thing I want us to see is the practical atheist demonstrates arrogance in their plans. We see in verse number 13. It says, go to now. Now, stop for just a second there. Go to now. This is a phrase used to get the attention of the listeners. Come on now. This is an expression. Stop. Wait a minute. Look, look at this, what James intended here. He's talking to first generation Christians here. They, they have no family who were believers. They, they're, they're, no parents, no aunts, no uncles uh, that were preachers or deacons. Uh, no grandparents no, uh, to tell the grandchildren Bible stories. They are making plans with no regard for the will of God. And James is making a statement. He's saying, come on now, pay attention. Really? You're going to live like that? Well, you're going to plan and plot with no regard to the will of God. He says, go to now, ye that say. He, he's speaking to those with confidence. He's those who are certain about the future. Those that are just like us, right? No, it's not right. There's, there is no one here today that is certain what will happen in the future. None of us knows what's going to happen. How can you... Uh, embrace Christianity in your faith and completely ignore the will of God in your life. How can you do that? How could you entrust the eternity of your souls in the hands of God and not our everyday living of life? How can we be washed in the blood of Jesus to have all of our sins forgiven to make us children and not trust Him enough to guide us through in our everyday life. How can we be this way? Jesus is, James is saying, come on now. How could you place the import, most important part of you in the hands of Jesus and not the everyday decisions of life? He continues in verse number 13. He says, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Listen, he's not saying that the plant that his plans were wrong or immoral. It, it, what he was planning to do was not wrong. Uh, it, they were, they were uh, above board. He, uh, everything he plans to do is above board. There's nothing here that says to buy and sell goods and to make a profit is wrong. Uh, that's not the point of the message. That, that's, that's not what he's saying here. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a pyramid scheme. The point is, he's doing it all without considering the will of God. And, and, and the right thing can be the wrong can be wrong when you don't consider the will of God. Uh, he, he presumes time. He said today or tomorrow. 
He, he doesn't consider the uncertainty of life. Uh, we don't know if we even have a tomorrow. Years ago, I was working as a, a youth minister and assistant pastor of a church in Beulah where my, my youngest son is working now. We, we used to bring kids to church in, in the bus. That's a novel idea. Um, we have a van, not very many kids. It would seem that it would be an area where we could make a difference if we had someone to work in. But we had this one poor family. There was a lot of poor families. But one particular family had several kids, a single parent, mom, taking care of these kids. They would come most weeks, some weeks that they couldn't come. Well, one night, the single mother's car broke down. She had all her kids in the car. She had one of her kids, she broke down, and she had one of her kids steering the car. Her and her oldest boy got out and started pushing the car. It was dark. The car that came upon them couldn't see them. The boy was killed. The mother lost her legs. This man thought he had assurance of tomorrow, today or tomorrow. Listen, what assurance do you have about tomorrow? What kind of guarantees do you have that you're going to have a tomorrow? You never know. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Uh, is there anyone who can contradict that verse? You may say, I, I know what I'll be doing tomorrow. I, I've got it planned. Everything will have to work around my plan. I, I have it on my calendar, on my iPhone. I've got it all planned out. Do you want to see it? Here, let me text it to you or email it to you or maybe send it to you in Messenger. I can send you my plans. I've got it all worked out. Listen, you can be super organized and a great planner, but you, can, you still don't know what will happen tomorrow. He also gives the details of a place. He says, we will go into such a city. He, he, he's, he has a business plan. He's at his business desk. He has a map of the world around him. He's, he's heard of the, all the main places of commerce and trades. He's, he has, has deducted uh, and decided. He understands the, the trade routes, the silk trade routes that were prevalent during this time. That were bringing uh, silk from the, from the, the, the east uh, towards the west over into Europe. He, he's got all this put together. Uh, and he looks at the map and says... This is the spot. This is where I'm going to go. And he says he will stay there a year. A year will be enough uh, time for to make money that we need. That's, that's his plan. He is confident about the profit. He says we will buy and sell and get gain. He, he's got it all worked out. He's got his business plan all worked out. He was certain that this was going to work. You can plot and you can plan, but you must realize that it is not you, but God, who's in control. God's in the control of things that you don't know about. He gives us every day. Things that happen to us, He knows about. We don't. I want you to see how that this is arrogance. I'm going to go today or tomorrow. I'm going to this place that I figured out is the best place to sell my stuff. I'm going to stay there a year. I'm going to make a profit. This is arrogance. This is an arrogant statement. No one has the right to say 
all that we are going to do. This is arrogance of the practical atheist. Also, I want you to see his attitude. We also see the attitude of his pride. Verse number 14, it says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. The practical atheist, he is arrogant and he is prideful. Proud people think they don't need God in the practical areas of their life. I've got this. I've got everything. My life is under control. I have it covered. I've got it all worked out. That's the, the attitude of the proud. Uh, we need God for salvation, but we don't need God for leading our family. Is the attitude of the prayer of the pride and proud. We don't need God in the latter years of our life. We don't need God to help us in buying a car. We don't need help uh, God to help us to buy a house. We don't need God to help us to get a job. We need God for salvation, and, and we need Him for every breath that we take. Listen, there's not a single activity that you're involved in from week to week, from day to day, that you don't need God. Amen. You need Him for everything. We need to take, we need God for our salvation and we need Him for every breath. Tanya and her sisters and her dad and myself used to sing a song years ago. It says, I, I won't walk without Jesus. I won't walk without Jesus. I won't talk without Jesus. And I refuse to live one day as before. No, I won't go without Jesus. I, it just ain't so without Jesus. Because everything that I would do, I just won't do without the Lord. Um, you know that is true. You know that is true. We can't walk without Jesus. We can't do anything. Whereas, you know not what shall be on the morrow. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. This man has plans a year in advance. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. He's planning for a year. This is not a criticism of someone who knows how to plan for the future. Planning for college. Planning for retirement. Planning for a vacation. Uh, Solomon used the ant as an illustration to teach us to prepare. In, in Proverbs 6 and verses 6 through 8. says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided her meat in the summer and gathered their fruit in, in the harvest. Uh, the ant knew to plan to prepare. And Solomon said it's not wrong to plan and prepare. Uh, Jesus taught us to count the cost. Uh, that is not the point of the passage. The point is, is to plan and prepare while always considering the Lord's will in your plans. This doesn't, doesn't say that he does... Uh, he doesn't say that if the Lord will. He says that that's what I'm going to do. That's his problem. He said that's what I'm going to do. He thinks he knows the future. You know, I'm glad that I don't know the future. Uh, everybody said, man, if I just knew the future, I would be rich. Yeah, you probably would if you knew the future. But you really don't want to know the future. What, what if you knew that uh, something bad was going to happen tomorrow? How would you be today? Ever taken a kid to the doctor's office? It's time for shots. Ever taken the kid to the doctor's office and they know what's coming? How they start crying before they ever get in the car. 
They cry all the way to the doctor's office. They're in the waiting room crying. And when they get into the room, they know what's coming and they're crying. They're, they're, they're just so afraid of that needle. And because they know the future and, and the torture that it causes them, it, it, it's, it's terrible. You know, my wife this week helped, helped me take care of some little growths around my eye. Uh, she had a needle and a pair of tweezers around my eye. <laughs> Trying to remove some bumps around my eye. I squinted, I squirmed, I hollered. And she says, I haven't touched you yet. <laughs> what would our life be if we knew what bad thing was going to happen tomorrow? Well, I'm glad I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but, but I have confidence and I have hope in my Lord that He will be with me tomorrow. Our lives are brief. Our lives are stressful. Our life is fragile. This man has made plans. James asked the question, for what is your life? How would you answer that question? How would you answer the question today? If you had to write a paper, how, what would you say? What would your answer be? What is your life? It's a good question. Considering God's word, what is your life? He said, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's a fog that is easily burned off by the rising sun. Your life is here today and gone tomorrow. We measure our life in years. I'm 54 uh, years old. Uh, both my grandmothers lived to be in their 90s. My mom's here, and I think she's got an 80th coming up soon. But this year? Another year away? Two more years? Okay, I just told my wife. I just told my mom's age to everybody in the church. And, and I'm going to get a spanking when I get home, I know. Uh, uh, she's got a couple more years to go. But, you know, we're, we have some people who live long in our life, but we don't know. There's no guarantee. There's no, we don't know how long we're going to be around. Uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, and verse 24, it says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth thereof falleth away. Medical breakthroughs have prolonged life, but whatever they come up with, whatever they find, uh, whatever they do, they'll never find the key to eternal life. We will all one day pass. Life is short. It's not, we're not going to live forever. The, this man is presuming he has a future even without considering the will of God. Regardless of God's will, I'm going to sell my motorcycle. Regardless of God's will, I'm going to buy and sell and get gain and return in a year. That's, that was the, the point of our text. Make plans, set goals, but James is saying to do it if the Lord will it. Do it if the Lord will it. We need to see that God is the God of the universe and He has a will. He has he has a will for, 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 for us. He has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. God's will is not always followed. 
some people think, well, it, whatever God's will, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No. Because He gives us a will. And we have to decide whether we're going to do God's will or not. The, the Bible says that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but a long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He, he's not willing that, it all, that any should perish, but some are. Some are going to reject Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're going to perish. It's not His intentions. It's not His will for anybody to perish. You can go against God's will sometimes. And many times we might do that. We know that, all, that not everyone is going to be saved. But it's God's will that all would be saved. God's will doesn't cause all to be saved. God has a will and you can disobey God's will. God has a will and you may not obey. If you don't or when you don't, you will be uh, the one who loses. You will be the one who loses when you refuse to do God's will. Then there's the correction, verse number 15. Uh, it says, for, for, ye, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, ye shall live and do this or that. All of our plans should be contingent on the will of the Lord. Your church you attend, the house you live in, the job you have, the person you spend your life together with, make all these plans considering the Lord's will. Listen, a lot of people make mistakes in their lives. They can look back, and several people here probably can look back at the mistakes. And you know that they're mistakes now. But if think back at that time, did you do God's will when you made that mistake? Chances are you wasn't doing God's will. That's why you made a mistake. And we can see that now if we could just see it ahead of time and consider God's will in advance. It may save us some heartaches in our lives. It may help us make better decisions in our life. Um, we ought to say, if the Lord will. Verse number 16, he makes an application he said, of what he has said. He said, There's going, uh, there, this is where you are wrong. You have assume you have time. You assume you know what will happen in the future and you don't. Uh, here's what you ought to do if the Lord will. He, uses, he used to be, uh, back, in, back in, in country churches years ago, uh, when people were departing and separating from one another, they'll say, I'll see you next week, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Now, remember that, you know? And us younger generations, if we're talking about the creek don't rise, what's that got to do with anything? We got bridges. You know, and I, I, it was only until I took a trip to Kenya back in 1996, went to church in a hut out in the field there in Kenya. Missionary said, talked about this one lady who came to church that day. There were people from different churches that had gathered together because the Americans were there and they wanted to make a good impression. There's a woman that came to church that day. She was running a little bit behind time. She told about the rain that had happened earlier that week and the stream that she had to cross was too high. She had to completely undress 
carry her clothes above her head, walk across the stream, and get dressed again uh, to come to church. I wonder if we ever have that kind of commitment to go to church. You know, it was a it was it was a common thing. You know, back in the day when they had didn't have as many bridges and the creeks rose, they couldn't get their wagons, they couldn't get their horses across the stream, and it may prohibit them from getting to church. Um, we used to say, "If it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or this, do that." But people don't say that much anymore. You say it's only words. I understand it. it, it, it it's really a matter of the heart. It's really a matter, it's not just the words, it's a matter of heart. Uh, but if it's a matter of the heart, we would say it more often. Uh, then he gets to the root of the matter. He says, you rejoice in your boastings. Your attitude was, I'm going to do what I want to do. That was the attitude. Their boastings, their attitude. It was not about God or His will. It was about them. Then he said, this boasting... And this rejoicing is evil. That's what the Bible says. It says, then, then you live, uh, when you live your life with no regard for the will of God, with pride in your heart, with boasting and rejoicing, this is evil. It's not just a mistake. It's not just a slip up. To live your life with no regard to the will of God, James says, that it's an evil way to live. I know that's pretty strong language. Please understand I didn't write that. It's evil to live without regard to the will of God. It's evil to say, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go to the university. It's not evil to say, if the Lord wills, I'll do those things. And again, it's a matter of the heart. What's in your heart? You may say it without saying the words, but what's in your heart? That's the, that's the issue. What's in your heart? Do you consider His will? Any other approach to life is evil if it leaves the will of God out of our plans. It's evil. We do it every single day of our lives. We do it every day. Day after day, week after week, month after month. We go through life calling all the shots. And we wonder why we have so much stress. We wonder why we are not happy. We wonder why we have no peace in our life. Verse number 17 it ties it all together. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What is that thing, that good, that is good that we are to do? If you know to live in light of the will of God and you don't do it, it is sin. It is sin. If you live your life making plans, moving forward with those plans and never consider the will of God, it is evil. It is sin. You know you now know you are to live your life as the Lord's will. And if you don't do it, it is sin. Life is complicated. Young people especially. They must choose a path for education. They must choose an occupation. They must choose a family. 
and they make these choices early in life. They, if they make bad decisions, it can have lifelong circumstances. You don't want to make these decisions with arrogance, with pride, and ignoring the will of God. Consider God's will. The older crowd also have to consider life's decisions. How am I going to raise my family? How, how am I going to get along with my family? How am I going to use the money that God has given me? How, how are we going to do that? Today, each one of us need to answer the question, am I living my life Am I living my life under the direction of God? I, or am I living my life my way? In the early years of my ministry, I was working a job and going to seminary at the same time. My job was getting difficult. It was getting to be a hassle and I was getting tired of it. I told the manager one day, I'm going to be quitting in about three weeks. He said, let, let me do some talking to the upper management. Don't quit just yet. Uh, just hold on. And so he came back after a little while and he said to me, he said, I'm, I'm going to offer you a promotion. He says, if you will be my assistant plant manager in charge of the exterior door department, uh, you will get a raise with the potential of four bonuses. Um, and I said, keep talking. <laughs> I, I knew that I took, if I took the job, I would have to quit going to seminary. Well, I took the job. Two weeks after I started the new position, the upper management called everyone in and told us the plant was shutting down. I didn't consider God's will, and the whole plant was shut down. I often feel guilty about that. I feel sorry for the others who lost their job. I wonder in our lives who we're hurting because we never considered God's will for our lives. Our decisions affect more than just us. Our decisions affect other people. Who are we hurting for not considering the Lord's will? Let's all stand and pray. Do you have me, Father? Thank you, Lord, for helping us, dear Lord, to live our lives. Thank you for coming uh, to, to be in our lives and, and helping us to, uh, to, to live our lives that would bring you honor and glory. Help us, dear Lord, in uh, knowing your will for our lives and considering uh, your ways. Lord, help us to make wise decisions as we go through life. Everyday decisions that we many times just take for granted and make those decisions without considering your will. Forgive us, Lord, for that. There may be some here, dear Lord, that you're talking to and you're trying to press upon their hearts the need for salvation. Lord, we know it's your will for them to get saved. We know that you want to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse their life and to be real in their lives. But they may be just holding on. 
I pray to your Lord that you would just open up their hearts and just release their own will and accept your will in their lives. Dear Lord, whatever your spirit has has spoken to the hearts of the people, I pray that they will respond as the invitation is given. Thank you for all you do for us and for who you are. Uh, You're so wise in your decision and your plans, dear Lord. Help us to look to that wisdom and use that wisdom to help guide our lives. Thank you for who you are and for what you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.